Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ah, uh, McNally. Lang. McNally. Foolay. It's cool, actually. <laughs> <laughs> John, that's one of his pet peeves when people do that. can't. But I don't understand why people would think it's boule because there's no accent on the e. You're right, but in Irish, like that's I think there was a, a penguin, a, a penguin Irish com- character called Booley Booley, and it was spelled like that. But you're right, there was a father on the e. So you're totally right. Yeah. I walked up to a show once, and my name was in like letters over the door, and they'd written Joanna McNulty, and it was my own show. So. <laughs> Quite like that, McNaughty. Joanna McNaughty sounds like a naughty Mac- hamburger or something. McNaughty, McNaughty, naughty. Okay, McNally, I hear what you're saying. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. We're still here with Joanne McNaughty. And oh, Jesus. There was a callback. Did you like the callback I just did? I just did a little bit of a callback. <laughs> I don't know if it's that much a of a callback. <laughs> <laughs> just the end <laughs> of the same sentence. Pressure cooker. There's another callback. That's a cool fact to part one, everybody. You're the yeah. albino Bilber. Right. <laughs> uh, can I tell you something? Do you know what I found out? So I'm obviously in Spain, as you heard from my diary. You know, in Spain, most of the restaurants, they don't have loo seats. They don't have any loo seats. So I, I found this out that I went to the loo to, to go and take a, a poop, right? And you, they don't have them. It's just completely bare. And I was like, what? So you have to either squat on it and try and hold the lock of the door to kind of like balance yourself. <laughs> or you have to go bareback on it, which is vile, because you know what's been on. But the way you get the loose seat is you have to go to the bar and ask for it. You have to go what? to the bar. You have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go to the bar and ask for the loose seat and take that to, I'm like, what do you mean? So you have to, so it's bad enough having to go and ask for loo paper when you need like the bar because everyone knows you. How the if you're on like a date and you go to the bar and ask the Lucy, how the hell you walk back through the restaurant holding a Lucy? Oh, dear, I would have thought a, a, a man of your status, Jamie, would be frequenting venues that you that supply you with a Lucy. Like, where are you? Are you going for dinner in a petrol station? Where are you going for no, dinner? It, it's like in most things. I now bring my own Lucy, like a bowling ball. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing oh my yeah. god and, and you can't like hide it you have to like put one arm through it and take it also so unhygienic you don't clean it after you've used it and then you hand it back to like the this is totally true i think it's the most outrageous thing i've ever heard and especially it's worse for women because we're constantly at the start of a relationship pretending we don't even have an anus do you know what i mean you're like denying all your bodily functions <laughs> no, you drag a toilet seat through the restaurant in front of them I don't, think, I don't think that's quite true because anytime you're in the start of a relationship and you both get drunk together, the guy always says, can I put it in the bum? <laughs> yeah, they want to put things in the bum, but at the start, they're not interested in coming out of it. Let's be clear. We all know that now. Come on. Why does that happen? Why, why are guys obsessed with, with the 
the anus when it comes to sex. I know. I asked my ex and he was like, I think it's really intimate. And I was like, well, I'm staring at the wall. So I don't know how that's intimate because I can't see anything. <laughs> like maybe we could hang a photo of you on the wall. So I have something to look at. I could look you in the eyes. Is that, was that his, was that his excuse? His yeah. excuse? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what does lockdown be like for you? Have you dated anyone, done virtual dates or anything like that? No, I kind of got going again. In I, got, I had a couple of dates in London before lockdown, but then lockdown happened. I was like, what's the point? What's he going to do? Knock around and pet my hair through the letterbox. Like, it just seems pointless. And I don't like, I don't wait, want a pen pal. Wait, and you're just gonna, what's he going to do? Pet my hair through a letterbox? Hey, we can't touch. <laughs> yes, it's illegal for people to have sex now. Sex is illegal now. What, um, unless, what is if you wear like sort of like plastic gloves or something? But doesn't that make it so much hotter, Joanne? Pe getting pet and padded through the ladder box? No, I'm not no, a cat. No, no, no. <laughs> illicit, illegal sex, right? Isn't that, isn't that now, isn't it more exciting? I was doing a, I did a little Comedy Central sketch about it and I was like, there was a time where you just had to wear one, like one plastic condom and naive to where you have to try and keep it sexy while you put on plastic 12 tentacles and we're going to need like little tongue condoms now as well i mean would you even be arsed but i had no you did have to wear tongue condoms that's well, it's, that's how you no I'm, of course <laughs> jamie sorry jamie sorry, you should go... business you should make them <laughs> oh my god i can't wait so i went to a couple of dates but like i don't know i didn't really i wasn't really in the groove i had you know was, like london lads it takes a bit of getting used to, we take a bit of getting used to each other you know Wait, so explain, what's the difference between London lads and, and Irish lads? I don't know. I, I find that, now this is just the London lads I've met. Um, okay. I'm excluding you guys. They're quite serious. Now, I just, yeah. they're just the ones that I happen to have met. And Irish men are not serious at all. They're kind of clownish. So yeah. it's, been a, it's been a little adjustment. Like one guy, he wouldn't give me a little, I had a one night stand with this guy. It was so wow. weird. So I was in a relationship for years, right? About five or six years. And then I came out of it. And I'd never had that like promiscuous stage. So I'm, yeah. like, right, I'm going to have my promiscuous stage in London. You know, I'm in my thirties now. I'm, I'm an independent woman. I'm woke. I'm very woke. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm progressive, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to have this one night stand. So I went to date with this guy. Um, we'll call him Ben because that was his name. He was a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably still on Hinge. You'll find him. So uh... <laughs> he was a photographer. <laughs> yeah, red flag. Yeah. Wait, that, that's not also manly. If you're going for a manly guy, he says photographer underneath. What is that? You're not. You're not going to build your, your shelf or something. He's very arty, you know. He's a serious guy. So uh, oh, okay, yeah. He yeah. went to date anyway, and I was like, "This is it. I'm gonna," you know. I was like, uh, "We were getting on really well." Obviously, we were both pissed out of our faces, and I was like. Uh, he was like, let's do it again. I was like, yeah. And then he was like, I was like, I'll go back to yours. And it was like, because you know when you're younger, you feel that men, they're, they're only after one thing, blah, blah, blah. And if you have sex too soon, they lose interest. And it's not a nice part of our culture, but it, it does seem to be a thing. And uh, I don't have the explanations of why, but that was always the thing when I was younger. So I would like hold out, hold out, hold out, you know, and manipulate them into loving me and then have sex with them. But also, can I just, before you go into that story, it is, it is totally true, and I, and I agree with you that, that people are like that, but I don't understand the concept of when, um, when, when women will sort of say, I'm not having sex with you, so you can't put it in my vagina, but you can put it in my head, because that doesn't count. So you'll give it like a blowjob, but they'll say, we don't, we're not going to have sex. Isn't that yeah, what it's happens? A it's a trailer. It's like we're Jamie, getting... You out. sound like you've used this argument really angrily with a girl. <laughs> 
I also love the fact you're calling it a trailer. Oh, there you go. This is what it could be like. Yeah, it's the canapé. It's the taster. It's the volivant of the bedroom. <laughs> because we want to have sex as well but we're worried that you'll fuck off because previously that is what's happened you know not sure. everyone I, I know couples who are married who had sex in their first date like it varies but anecdotally with my my current experience previous experience as I, a general rule exactly right so anyway um he started just losing interest straight away. But I was kind of pissed. And I was like, no, 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 this is fine. I'm committed. I'm a progressive modern woman. So we went back. And literally with every trust, he lost interest more and more and more and more. And by the time it was finished, he was not interested at all. And then I <laughs> st stayed over. And then the next morning, he was back on his phone. And I was like, oh, are you on Hinge? Messing. And he was like, no, I'm just checking some emails. And I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. So then I said... Here, obviously, I'd only moved to London. Didn't have a clue where I was. The other reason I went home with him was because I didn't know where I lived. So I was like, I'll just leave here. London's so big. I'll just go home with him and then get the tube tomorrow or whatever. So I woke up. I, could, I might as well have been in Zimbabwe. Didn't have a clue where I was. In bed with this man who now slightly despised me. So I was like, oh, Joanne, get out, get out. So I was like, here, come here. Um, ben, do you, do you drive? And he's like, yeah. I said, do you have a car? And he's like, yeah. And then he goes, Joanne, I'm not driving you anywhere. No. And I said. Terrible. I was like, wow. And I said, and he goes, my ego would not allow it. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, it was a joke, Joanne. I didn't mean to be, I didn't want to be asked about it again. And I was like, that's gas, because I write jokes for a living, and that was shite. So what do you want? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. he's, He said he wouldn't drive my, you because, because you didn't anywhere. shoot with him. No, I did sleep with him. Uh, why, why, why would I gave a great performance. Effect? Gave it my all. <laughs> Eye contact noises, the whole shebang. Like, I, I really went for it. I did the noise. Did the noise. <laughs> you did the drowning. Hey, <laughs> another. <laughs> call back. <laughs> call back. Call back. Oh, no, I'm going to call. <laughs> I'm so close. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> <laughs> he was like, my ego wouldn't allow it. And I was like, stop. I'm going to wrap it up. even make sense. Right, exactly. Exactly, Francis. I, I, I just can't get a, oh, I'm so close. <laughs> oh, God. That is too good. Uh -huh. so he was like, he said, my ego wouldn't allow it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, look, Joanne, driving you anywhere would be an unprecedented act of chivalry. And I just don't feel that way about you yet. So, oh so have you seen him again, this guy, Ben? No! I genuinely thought, because I, like, I just left then. I genuinely thought, uh, he'll message me to say, I mean, obviously we were never going to be romantically involved again, but I thought he'd message to go, listen, sorry, that was a bit weird. You know, whatever. Never heard from him again. He's still floating around in the world of Hinge, so look out, ladies. What maybe that's his full-time thing. Being an asshole. On Hinge. Yeah, maybe. I feel like what a douchebag. Be careful out there, ladies. Be careful out there. Be careful out there. I mean, I... drive me home. You know you're never going to see me again. Drive me home out of guilt. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, just clear your conscience. It that would suck it. if you were called Ben and a photographer and you weren't that guy. And then anyone it's, who listened to this. It's still, is this it's libel? Still, I don't, is it libel? No, because he didn't name his actual... It's libel to all Bens, I suppose. Yeah. We photographers. We, we, yeah. We, did, we, did have, we did have Lloyd Griffiths, friend of all of us, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, 
on friend the podcast, a friend of all of us. He was listening to our podcast before he came on. And I was talking about a comedian that I met who broke up with girl and me talking about how sorry I felt from him. He was listening to it and realized that it was him. <laughs> he was listening to it. He's like, oh shit, that's me. That's me that he's being oh, really no. empathetic and sympathetic towards. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking about Lloyd who having broken up with his girlfriend, but I couldn't remember what his name was. We only Did he break up with his girlfriend? I didn't know that. No, it was ages ago. Oh yeah, okay, like grand, grand. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But also, John, with you, you know, even though you do stand-up and stuff like that, you also, you know, you write, like, a lot of stuff. And you, I do. You know, you, you wrote your own one-woman play, didn't you? I did. I wrote a theatre. At the time, I wasn't sure. So the way, the reason I got into stand-up was because I was working in public relations full-time. <clears throat> And I was very unwell. I went completely insane with eating disorders. I was in a, a ward, right? But I was only, yeah. I was in, I went in as a psychiatric patient, but I was just there as a day patient. So I was in there like Monday to Friday. And then in the evening, I was free to just wander around and be insane. And because of that, I'd had to quit my job. And then my friend, she's a, a director of theater and she encouraged me to kind of write a show about what was going on. So I wrote a one woman dark comedy theater piece about bulimia called Bite Me which I toured around Ireland for a couple of years, actually, and brought it to Edinburgh and stuff. That was great. But, but, but you know, and me, you and I have spoken about this before. I, I, think yeah. it, I think I hugely admire you for doing something like that because, you know, we, you know, there's a lot of, especially a lot of female listeners who listen to this who are possibly going through the same thing or experience the same thing or whatever, and, you know, you know with eating disorders. But the yeah. fact that you were, you know, and most people, what they do is they um, have it and they keep it very private and quiet because they're either embarrassed or worried or what people think of them. And actually speaking about it is far more powerful than anything else. Yeah. The fact that you wrote a play about it, the response you must have got from people must have been amazing, right? Because you're putting yourself out there massively. Yeah. I was so glad to be starting at my career as a performer that, and as a performer in a comic, you always mine your own life. So it made sense that I would talk about it. Also, I think when you talk about something and laugh at it, you kind of, you disempower it. But there mm. were parts in the show that I did, the director wanted me to put in that I felt uncomfortable putting in and I felt very vulnerable and exposed saying them. But I did it anyway. She was like, I think it's important. And, but I had lied about it for so long as well. Like I was sick for about, I'd say kind of, I was, you know, um, spinning the plug hole of absolute madness for about eight years. And then I wow. had like a proper breakdown. And then mm. so I couldn't lie about it anymore. Whereas a lot of people I know who have eating disorders or people who contact me, they're functioning with eating disorders. So it's like a functioning alcoholic, like they live in their life and maybe they're just purging their dinner every night or they're purging all the weekends, but no one can tell. And with bulimia as well, you, your weight maintains. Now I was anorexic and bulimic, so it was obvious I was unwell because I was very underweight. But with bulimics, sometimes they, they, their weight stays the same or they can end up putting on weight. So it's not as obvious. Um, but I lied and lied and lied and lied. But then once I admitted it, it was such a Cathartic. Relief. Yeah. I couldn't stop admitting it. I was like, people have asked me in the street, how are you? And I'd be like, bulimic. Like I was just on one then. It was really? all I wanted to talk about. Yeah. 
which I think it's part of the process, you know? Yeah, and I think that's the thing, when you have like a secret like that, and then you get on stage and tell the world, it, it's like, it, it's no longer, you know, something, you know, it, it, yeah, like you say, it, 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 it immunizes the power from it. Exactly. And like even saying it to my friends, like everyone knew, but admitting it was part of the process of getting better. Um, yeah. and, 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 do you, and do you think, you know, because you can, I suppose you can relate that. And, you know, we spoke about a lot of different things on this podcast, but, you know, when, do you think you can relate that to a lot of other disorders that people have, whether it's um, anxiety or feeling sad or, or whatever it is, as soon as you start speaking about it, actually, that is the beginning process to actually starting to heal almost, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think once you, once you recognize what it is, I honestly was convinced that I was just on a diet. I thought when I started <laughs> vomiting my food, I thought I'd, I discovered like, I was like, I've got the key, I've got the secret. Like, that's the, I know, that's the theme tune to the play because I, I genuinely thought I had cocked, like, I I had the secret to life, you know? You were like, like, why is everyone not doing this? I this, couldn't. Is, this, is, this is what? I have a pizza? See you I later. Know. I know. I'm like, why is no one going to the toilet? I couldn't. I'd watch women eat a sandwich and I'm like, what are they up to? Why are they still sitting there? Like, why are they pretending they're keeping that down? Like, I genuinely, yeah. like, it's like any addiction. You, the addiction becomes you're all, it just invades your brain and it, it consumes you. So I was happier sitting at home in my mother's bedroom, because obviously I'd had to move out of my own house, go back to my mum's, quit my job, and I was living up in her attic. Very Anne Frank, again. Cool so back. I caught Joanne Frank. That was, I used it in stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I just, I couldn't understand how everyone was going out in the world and like they were um, ingesting calories all day and not, and trying to, and living their lives. I couldn't get my head around it. I lost boyfriends, I lost jobs, I lost friendships didn't care it was all that mattered to me shrink 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 it, it, it's interesting because you know when you're in a certain place like that mentally right and it doesn't matter what sort of thing you're going through you you can't understand why everyone else is not thinking the same as you and you're totally. kind of going like sh sh you must be feeling the same way as me because why am i feeling that and you're not feeling the same thing exactly. and so you're just thinking everyone's in that same place and then and you find it really hard to understand when people don't think the same way. And that's yeah. quite tricky as well. Because then when you find out people aren't thinking the same way as you, you then feel even more alienated. Because you're like, yeah. hang on a second, what the hell? I feel like a total totally. alien And when people would say I was too thin, I thought they were jealous. I thought my friends were just jealous. Because mm -hmm. I couldn't understand why they wouldn't want to be as thin as me. I, I, like, yeah. my only motivation was to be thin. So I assumed that everyone else's motivation was also to be I was like, I, I joked about it. I was like, I wanted to get back to my birth weight of seven pounds and three ounces. Like I was on one. And uh, the more they comment on my weight, that's why I always say if there's someone with an eating disorder, if you know someone with an eating disorder, don't ever say you look too thin. You're saying it like crying, going, I'm really worried you look too thin. But all we hear is you look too thin. So it's yeah. like a compliment. It's like a positive yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. It's a positive way. Dad, what people used to say to me was you look really unwell. And that was harder to hear because I, I didn't want to look unwell I just wanted to look I thought I thought thin was hot the thinner you were yeah. the hotter you were yeah no listen John I, I completely commend you on it and when we spoke about it I just thought it was such a great thing that you did and 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 uh, you know amazing that you were like spoken about it because you know being into the industry people don't talk about stuff because they try and hide it and actually the most important thing is to speak out and be honest about yeah. these certain things whatever you're going through so so I, I think it's a really great thing that you did that and that's the really cool thing about comedy. Like no matter how dark your experiences are and all these experiences build you into the person that you are. And it gives you edges that maybe you wouldn't have had before, which means it's you've more material to explore and to write about. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, so that's the great thing about stand-up. Everything's material. Like someone, that's what people say to you as well. When you don't really want to hear it, like maybe your whole family's been wiped out by an avalanche and somebody be like, ah, oh, yeah, but it's great material, isn't it? <laughs> well, something like that also, I suppose you don't know who in the audience is also dealing with a problem like that. So, you know, you yeah. talking about it openly makes them think, oh, well, maybe, you know, you know, maybe it's not normal. What I, mm. you know, maybe I should... I kind of stopped doing the show. Well, for, firstly, we, we toured the venues, like the tour had finished, but I was slightly glad to finish it because it would attract, obviously, uh, girls mostly who were maybe suffering with the same thing. And I'd see them in the audience and they're, I, I don't know, it just got kind of, it got a bit sad, to be honest, and they'd be mailing and you'd always reply and it, it kind of takes a bit out of you. Because you're also going, mm. I don't know. Like, I really don't know how to fix it. Yeah, it's my, it's my own experience. I, exactly, I, can't, yeah. I can't help you with and it. And you'd have no, parents listen. looking for help and all. And it's, you know. But I think that's the thing. If, if you do make a show about something like that or an addiction or something, you're always going to obviously attract people who have the same experience, which is what you want. But sometimes it can get a bit much. No, listen, I give you a clap from over here, Joanne. Thank you. I think it's amazing. Um, hey, Francis, it's now for that time in the podcast where we have the answer to the question of the week. <gasps> So do you remember what the uh, question was, Joanne? AIDS. No, I'm uh, <laughs> Neil Armstrong, what did he do when he came down from space? And you said a decompression chamber. Yes. And Jamie, yeah. what did you say? I, I, said, I said it's something that he had to sign something or he had to go to court. He had to do something that to prove that he went into space. Something along those lines. To prove that he went into space? Yeah, something like that. He had to do something for, for, to prove. For the conspiracy theorists. Something um, like that. That's the Well, he, 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 so he landed, obviously, in America and he had to go through customs and uh, immigration. No. no, he didn't. Yes, he did. With his passport? With his passport, yeah. No, he didn't. Yes, because he was out of US airspace. That, that, what? Yeah. That casual, that casual chat with Neil Armstrong as he came through pick up his bag. Where have you been? Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> quite sweet. A little casual chat with him. I love they that. They thought he was like bringing coke back from Mars. Yeah, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, sure. You've been to the moon. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, Mr. Armstrong. Step this way. <laughs> hey, uh, Joanne, listen, we've taken up far too much of your time. Um, are you are you going to be going on tour or anything like that when everything comes back up and working? So my Irish tour is rescheduled for September. But I, I mean, we're it's kind of problematic, though, obviously, because the rooms are going to have to be smaller. It, I don't know. And you'll I'm be playing to small crowds. I know. Not a lot of money in small crowds, Francis. <laughs> oh, we know all too well from our tour. So annoying. <laughs> You're like, hello, is this thing on? Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm supposed to do, I was supposed to do three nights in Soho in April, though. We'll, we'll see, we'll, we're just waiting for it to kick back up again, I guess. Yeah. You're one of the funniest people I know, so I just can't, as soon as you're back on tour, we'll be there supporting you from the crowd. Thank you, Jamie. You're very sweet. Yeah. Thank you. That was me. That was me just fluffing you up at the end. Just there. I know, you're also very funny. That's me fluffing. Yeah, and I, and I'm going to get, get a... <laughs> hey, where's my fluffing? Bring it over. <laughs> Uh, okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go. Hey. Bye, lads. Thanks for now. Hey, Joanne, listen, before we, before we end the podcast, what we like to do is leave our listeners with something inspirational. Oh, for God's sake. Are you serious? Yeah, come on. Bring it home for us. Home run it. You've got to you do want it. me to say something inspirational? Yeah, yeah. home run it, honey. Um, okay, so, um, okay, okay. Do you know what? Swap red wine for gin. Because it's got less sugar. Is this not? Is this? Is this not what you mean? <laughs> this is great. I like this. Yeah. 
So red wine is like, I read it yesterday because I, I put on a few pounds, which I don't really care about anymore, but I still was like, oh, maybe I should do something with that. And I Googled it and it said that red wine is like liquidized sugar. So I was like, I'll move to gin because that, I know that's like liquidized paranoia, but I think, I think it's kind of better. So I would, sw- <laughs> I would swap red alcohol for white. That would be my inspiration. Ah. <laughs> that's Get great. Advice. Joanne McNally, thank you so much. We'll see everybody Owen, next week. Owen, bye. And, bye. Owen, be yourself. Okay, bye. Oh, yeah. Bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs>when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.